John 20, that's where we're going to be today. Before, well, let's do this. We've always done this in the past. When you're there, say amen. amen. Okay, that means 2% is there. <laughs> if, that's your if that's your thing, you're an amen, right? John, we've, it's one of the gospels. When, you, when you're there, say amen. amen. All right, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. As we approach this passage this morning, I just want to kind of just set it up just a little bit. Before we get to our verse 19 to chapter 20, what has just occurred is the Passover celebration. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room, and Jesus expressed the, the new covenant that was about to uh, manifest before them, and and expressed to them that he was going to be arrested and, and beaten and suffer and be murdered. All these things come into play. All these things happened. We've been listening to Pastor Lucas for the last three weeks on one level or another look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to pick up right there. This is the evening of the resurrection. This is the evening after Mary ran to the tomb, after John beat Peter to the tomb, after all that story that we are given about the, the first appearances of Christ as a resurrected Savior. That evening. Verse 19. I better read it from up. We put New King James up there, right? I told you guys, amen, when you get there, I'm not even there. <laughs> I'm there now. Okay. Amen. <laughs> when, therefore, it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, the disciples were for fear of the Jews, and Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples, therefore, rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And I want to drop down to verse 24. But Thomas was one of the twelve called Dynamis, or Dunamis, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore, were saying to him, we have seen the Lord, but he, meaning Thomas, said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprints of the nails and put my fingers into the place of the nails and put my hand in the side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, or the next Sunday, his disciples were inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors had been locked or shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here for your finger and see my hand, and reach here for your hand and put it in my side, and be not unbelieving, but believing. Verse 28 is where we're going to stop. Th 
Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. It is alive, it's active, it's moving in our lives. It's been given for, for the edification of the church and the equipping of the saints, Lord, and, and for the sharing of the truth of the gospel. And Lord, we thank you today that, that irregardless if we're believers here or not, I thank you, God, that this moment in history, this point that you have placed, ordained, and, and anointed, Father, that this would be a day that you would speak to the hearts of your people. And Lord, start with me. I pray, God, that anything that is unprofitable for the ears of your church, that it would be, that it would be removed from their memory. But God, let all things be done in order and in a way that honors you. Touch our hearts this day as we seek your face, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever taken a picture or a photograph of someone, and upon reviewing that photograph, you were extremely disappointed? Not so much because maybe it was out of focus, or the color contrast wasn't just right, or, you know, the exposure wasn't just there. But because that moment in history or that moment in that point at which that photograph was taken only shows an instant of the person of which you've taken the photograph. In other words, that photo isn't the true representation of the person. It is just a second of their life. Have you ever gotten a bad rap when... Somebody may have said or shown something about you that wasn't true. It was just an instant in time. And I feel that this is what we have with Thomas. Most of our uh, church historians and, and the history has, has claimed Thomas as Thomas the... See? That's crazy. He is Thomas the, the only problem with that is it's one instant about Thomas. We don't know a lot about Thomas, but what we do know we find in scripture. And I just want to share a little about, little thing about Thomas because, you know, when I, when I got saved years ago, you know, my favorite apostle was the apostle John because, you know, he wrote the book about himself saying, this, I'm the guy Jesus loves, and, and you know, and this and that. So for some reason, John was, was my favorite apostle. And then somewhere along the line, it became Peter because I could relate a lot to Peter. Because, you know, he's always putting his foot in his mouth. He's always, you know, he's really, you know, fervent. He's really into it, but he's not always on point. <laughs> Which you could probably see a lot of that. But now, in this stage of my life, Thomas seems to be my favorite apostle. And it's only because I've looked at Thomas and I've seen a ton of Thomas in me. And this, and this message today I want to share, it's going to be very personal. So um, I'm praying the Lord takes what personal experience and truth from God's word and really speaks to 
somebody here because it's crazy it's a crazy crazy thing I'm about to throw at you here <laughs> thank you Lord verse 19 to 20 here we set it up we saw we see the uh, the guys are in the the apostles or disciples are in the upper room the same upper room a couple days earlier that they took Passover and celebrated Passover and they're up there, and they're fearing for their life because Jesus was just murdered a couple days ago, and they're figuring, well, they killed him. Pretty good chance they're going to come after us. So they're up there cowering in the room, except for two people. One, we know, Judas, right? You say, Judas, you go, boo. But Judas, Judas got a bad rap, too. We're not going there today, but... Judas couldn't wait for his forgiveness. And Thomas, we don't know where Thomas was. We don't know what Thomas was doing uh, biblically, you know, scripturally. We, we just don't know. He just wasn't there. But um, we find that in the point of that moment, somehow, someway, Jesus shows up. The doors are locked. The doors are closed. There's no way in. They're fearing for their life, and Jesus kind of beams in. You know, you've probably heard or he walks through the walls or through the doors. I don't see that in Scripture. I'm going to go to Star Trek beaming in. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's there. It's like we're here in this room, and then bang, Jesus, right? And what does Jesus say? Peace be with you. Now, there's a lot of really smart people and scholars who, who subscribe a lot of theological truth to that statement but really jesus was telling these guys relax stop freaking out right it's it's me relax peace be with you yeah we all know very cool thing but it was really just to settle the hearts of the people in the room that were freaking out they're going from from mourning and fear to like Pow, Jesus is there. Only problem was Thomas wasn't. In other words, Thomas wasn't in church that day. And again, he gets a bad rap for that. But maybe in the, the snapshots of Thomas that we're going to just talk about real quick, we might see a little bit about maybe why Thomas wasn't there. A couple things we know about Thomas. One, he is the doubter right history has proclaimed him as the doubter doubting thomas but we find thomas the first time or a time in john 14 when jesus was expressing to his to to the crowd to his guys and girls what was about to happen and he says in john 14 says don't let your hearts be troubled trust in god and also trust in me there is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And Jesus goes on to say to the guys and ladies, and you know the way where I'm going. And in verse 5, Thomas says this. 
No. No. We don't know where you're going. We have no idea where you're going. So how are we supposed to know how to get to where you're going? Now, Thomas was the only one out of all the people in the room who had enough courage to say, no. No. I don't know. And you know what? Fear, fear when not addressed can manifest, or doubt not addressed will manifest in fear. What do I mean? I mean, let me give you an example. And of course, it's, it's not our pastor. It's other people who speak, or me. Matter of fact, I'll do it to you right now. We're up here proclaiming the truth of the gospel. And we're giving you stories to, to edify and encourage you. And I say to you, and of course, you remember the story of Mephibosheth. And I walk back, and I look out, and I hear, amen, yeah, all right, yeah. But the truth of it is, 95% of the people in this room don't have a clue who Mephibosheth was. Who had the courage to stand up and say, no, I don't know. I don't know. What? Mephibosheth who? I don't understand. That's the point. The point is that when we allow our heart to to doubt, it will turn into fear if we don't address it. I don't want you to know that I don't know who Mephibosheth is. Right? Let me give you an example in my life. And you probably heard me say this before. But I lost my mom not long ago. Well, six or seven years ago, whatever it is. And when I got the call that my mother was sick and I needed to come, uh, I was like, okay, fine, no problem. I will be there with the complete 100% confidence that when I got there and I prayed, God would heal her. Not a doubt in my mind that that is what was going to happen because of my experiences with the Lord in the past. I would pray. He would answer in the affirmative, and he would get the glory, and I would be, like, built up. Well, it didn't work out that way. I prayed and prayed and prayed and believed and believed and didn't doubt. And she died at 60 years old. You've heard that before, maybe, from me. But what you haven't heard from before from me is that from that point forward, or maybe not long after that, until two months ago, whenever somebody came to me to pray for them for healing, there was a mustard seed of doubt. And that mustard seed of doubt produced within me um, all kinds of fear. 
Not that, or let's say, because that. When someone came to pray for me, the struggle for me was because of who God and what God has done in my life and what he's called me to do and how he calls me to do it in such a way is that Kyle comes to me to pray for his, for his health. I pray for Kyle's health, but in the prayer, which you would never know, there was a piece of doubt. And the struggle for me was that, should I be praying for Kyle? Am I hindering God's will in the healing of Kyle? And that became extremely heavy on me because I love Kyle. And I love those, all, I love you. And if you came to me, I would pray for you. And I would believe with all that I had for you. But there was a part, a small part, that as I'm praying, I'm hearing little, little, little in the back of my head, maybe, maybe. And that, that was a huge spiritual problem for me. And it wasn't until maybe three years later that I started confronting this in a manner in which I figured, you know, uh, I'm, I'm the least of the apostles, guys. Trust me. I'm, I'm nothing but God's servant. But I should know better. I should have the answers. Matter of fact, you probably think I should have the answers. Or if Lucas was up here and said the same thing, you would probably think he should know the answers. doesn't work that way. And because doubt manifested into fear, I didn't allow others to, to counsel me. So, Doubt will manifest in the fear, and it will stop what God has tried to teach you and me, even in that, in that moment. Thomas said, I don't got a clue. He was the only one with the courage to address the doubt. He just wanted to know for himself what the deal was. He didn't want to hear about your experience or their experience. He wanted to know for himself. Second snapshot, if you will, is we see, and I'm going to do it to you right now. And we all know the story of Lazarus, right? Somebody say no. <laughs> we all know the story of Lazarus, right? Mary and Martha, they're like, yo, they know Jesus, they're tight. Lazarus and Jesus are tight, you know, probably grew up together, 
carving toys or whatever. But they cry to Christ, Lazarus is sick. Jesus is like, you know, I'm just going to back off. Right? We all know this story. Good. <laughs> the truth is, here it is. John 11. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea or Jerusalem were trying to stone you. And you were going there again? And so he told them plainly, Jesus, talking to those guys, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad I was there for, for, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come and let's go see. And then here's the verse. Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with him. Where's Pete? Where's, where's macho man Pete? Peter. Nah. He did do it with silent. Who had the courage was Thomas. Thomas was the one who was willing to die with Jesus. Matter of fact, he convinced the other disciples, listen, let's, let's go and die with Christ. Let's do it. Right? So, so maybe we're getting a couple different snapshots of Thomas that might be changing our minds a little bit about you know, this doubting dude. Back to our text. That's the wrong page. That says closing. Verse 24 through 27. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. And he replied, I don't care what you've seen. I want to know for myself. Then, on eight days later, or the next church service, Thomas was there with the other guys and gals. Eight days later, the disciples were, were told again, and in this time, Thomas was with them. And the doors were locked again. And suddenly before, Jesus was standing among him. Yeah, pow, there he is. Again. What's Jesus say again? Peace be still. All right, relax. It's okay. I'm here. Chill out. Don't mind the beaming in or beaming out. Just hear me. Right? And this is what happened. And this is amazing. This is crazy amazing if you ask me. And you probably won't, but. It says, then he, capital H, Jesus, said to Thomas, put your fingers here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. And don't be faithless any longer any longer but believe Jesus showed up specifically for one person 
Thomas. He showed up for Thomas. And Thomas, if you go back and read the text, did not ask for anything special, anything different than the other guys were given evidence of. So it's not like Thomas is like, oh, I need something special from you, Lord. He just wants his own truth in his heart to just eradicate the Tao. Eradicate the Tao. I suspect that there are people in this place today that have doubts. Matter of fact, I searched through the scriptures this week and found 8,726 references to people who doubted God. Pretty good chance there's uh, one or two here. Or most of us. Here today. If you doubt God, or better said, when you doubt God, we need to see something in our hearts and our lives, and we need to see where did that doubt spring from? Was it from maybe relationships who seemingly were graced and now are either Injured or dead, along with that promise that God gave you. Maybe it's a, a love of, 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 of a child that maybe you may have lost. Or a relationship with a child that, that is no longer, you know, healthy. And the promises that God gave me for my children... I'm doubting that. Whatever it may be, whatever doubt, what, where is God in the injustices of this world? Where is God when, when people are being massacred, massacred? Where is God when there are children starving in the streets of Haiti and in Africa and, and all over the place? Where is God when children are born with with Challenges, physical challenges, and, and life isn't the same. Whatever the doubt may be, I want you to know today that it's okay. Maybe you were brought up in a church that taught you that doubt is sin. And... Contextually, in certain areas, it is. But relationally, when it pertains to me and my God, doubt is not a bad thing. Doubt's not a bad thing. The questions you have in your heart about God, the doubts that you have in your heart about God, it's okay. It's okay. And... Uh, and, and uh, Sometimes we doubt that he can. Sometimes we doubt that he will. Sometimes we even doubt that he is. Whatever it may be, whatever your doubt is, I want you to know it's not a bad thing. Doubt 
is not the opposite of faith. It is a component of faith. Without doubt, there would be no need for faith. Follow me? Say it this way. Hebrews 11 and 1. Of course, everybody knows the story. Now, faith. What is faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, our faith is in something that is uncertain. It is not solid fact in front of you. If it was, you wouldn't need faith because it's there. It's, it, it's completely true in front of you. But the things of God are not in front of us. The questions, the doubts, the, the issues in which we struggle with day in and day out. And I'm telling you, there are people here today who have never told anybody about their doubt. About God, about Jesus, about his spirit. It's okay. It's okay. Not long ago, not long ago, Friday afternoon, I'm done with work. My wife and I are going to take this couple out to dinner. I go to the gas station on my way home in my truck, and I stop to fill it up. As I'm filling my truck up, this tall, very tattered, worn-looking, very tan gentleman walks up from pump one to pump ten and starts talking to me real fast. I don't know if you ever experienced this before. I'm sure you have. Whenever somebody wants something from you, they go into this really elaborate story, and they know it's elaborate, and they know they don't want to take your time, so they start really rapidly firing all these things. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. I'm like, let, let, hang on. Do you need money? And he's like, could you just please give me $3 to go and put a gallon of gas in my tank so I can get home? And please don't, don't, don't think that, that, forget it. I was told never try to uh, uh, explain why I'm going to tell you something. So I'm just telling you. <laughs> a wise man told me that one time. So out of just pure whatever, I grabbed in my pocket, took out my cash, which is my walk-around money, and I threw him the bill that was on top, right? No big deal, right? <laughs> Nothing. He thought it was the greatest thing ever. You know, I could see him, like, just kind of hop back to his truck. And uh, that's not the thing. The thing is... Now hear me. The thing is that I'm still struggling with this doubt. I'm still struggling with this answer that I need to know. I've counseled with, with colleagues. I've counseled with other people who have been in the faith long enough. And you know, they gave me their spin. And you know what? None of that mattered. 
Because I needed to know from Jesus himself. I needed to know, and you need to know for yourself what God has for you in that area of doubt. Whatever it may be. So, the guy walks away all happy and like can't believe somebody would actually help him. And uh, I proceed to take the pump out of the out of my truck and put it back on the gas. Put it, put it back on the whatever. <laughs> yeah, that. And as I did that, I heard. I heard the Spirit of God say to me, when you've done it unto me, you've done it, when you've done it unto the least of them, you've done it unto me. And that very moment, that very moment, God touched me. I know it may sound crazy to 80% of you in here, but he just maybe passed by or touch me, however you want to relate it to. But the fact of the matter is at that moment, that instant, Jesus Christ showed up. And I believe the Bible teaches that there are angels among us doing the will of God. And I believe that that person was either an angel or God using him to achieve his purpose in sovereignty in my life and when that happened this is what happened nobody will understand because well it's cool maybe this is what happened to me i didn't understand it hung up the hung up the pump on the whatever the thing is what do you call that gas pump yeah i'm having a lucas moment A pastor Lucas moment. That moment when I heard it all it all happened real fast, like pow pow pow. But when it happened, something happened in me in my body. And it's real hard to explain. But the best way I can share it is that every fiber, every piece, everything thing in my body rest everything rested and I proceeded to crawl into the cab of my truck and ball there for the next 30 minutes could not move could not move literally my wife calls and says, where are you? We got to get going. Couldn't answer the phone. Text her, told her, I'll be there soon. So I got to the point while sitting in the cab of my truck after God just did this everything. It was like peace, perfect peace. On every level, every aspect. So I finally get composed enough to drive. 
So I start driving home completely still bawling, like crazy on fire for what just happened. And I was like, I had to tell everybody that I came before. I went home and I'm like, Deborah, we got to talk. And I told her, I'm like, listen, this is just what happened to me. And, and, and God showed up and he just, he did this and that happened and, and, and this. And then I was, I was like crazy, like a lunatic. So now we go, we got it. I have to go pick up these people to go out to dinner. So these people are out to dinner, and I'm like, listen, I just got to tell you something. And I proceeded to explain to it in much greater detail of what happened to me and how, how, how awesome this is just was. God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, who holds everything in the palm of his hands, showed up just for me. And you know what happened after that encounter? The doubt was gone. The doubt was gone. Which still I don't understand, but it doesn't matter. So next time Kyle call, comes to me to pray for hell, dude, we're on, brother. Hit it. <laughs> and he can do the same thing for you. The truth is he wants a personal relationship with you. No matter what the doubt may be, if you are a believer or a non-believer, if you are a believer and you have doubts about certain things, he's still pursuing you. He still wants a relationship with you. If you're here today and you don't believe at all any of this noise, he still loves you. And he's still pursuing you. I'm going to go to my closing page now. <laughs> what happens there is Thomas saw Jesus. And he said a statement that no other man or woman in the Bible has ever said. And if you don't believe me, you go look for it. My God, my Lord, and my God. Nobody's ever said that. Not in that, not in that, not that phrasing. He's the only person. Why? Because Thomas had doubt, but that's not what defined Thomas. That is what brought Thomas to the place of one of the most usable men. In history, if you will, we don't hear a whole lot about Thomas. You know, extra biblical writings share a lot about Thomas. He was a missionary to India, and he rocked the place. He was the man for Christ there. As James and Peter was the man in Jerusalem. Thomas said, my Lord and my God, and I want to know today, in your doubt, you can say the same thing. My Lord and my God. So, you may be skeptical. You may have doubt. You may be unsure of your faith this morning. You may have a lot of questions that you do not have answers for. And the more people you ask, the crazier the answers become. We need the answer from Jesus. From his spirit. He is pursuing you with a love even in your doubt, even in your doubt.
Faith is a series of doubts vanquished by love. And I'm closing with this scripture. 1 John 4 and 9. God showed how much he loved, let's just say, you. By sending his one and only son into the world so that they might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus is the God who wastes nothing. So like when you see me with this tat, I'm looking for a guy who's going to do a tattoo, and it's going to be right here. It's going to be in Hebrew, so when you see it, that's what it's going to say. Yeshua, the God who wastes nothing, even your doubt. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the sea.